Okay, everyone, welcome to a special edition of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, I am joined by Michaela Porter. Michaela, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited to have you too. We first connected a couple months ago, so we haven't known each other too long, but in the time I have known you from social media, I have been impressed with the things that you tweet about, for example, and the things that you do. So let's give some background before we dive into the deeper conversation here to our listening audience. And Why don't you tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself? So please tell us, who are you? Yeah, so um, I'm Michaela. Um, I am 21 years old. I am a psychology major. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am on the women's basketball team at Appalachian State University. This is my second school. I actually transferred last year um, from Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati. And I'm just... Excited to be able to continue playing basketball, surrounded by people that, you know, support what I support, help me grow as a person on and off the court. And yeah. Awesome. So my first question's got to be you be from being from, excuse me, the Pennsylvania area. Are you a Penn Stater? Do you have a different school that you grew up liking? Anything around that? So my father actually um, attended University of Pittsburgh and played basketball for four years there. Um, So we were at a lot of pit games growing up. Um, And then he coached at Duquesne University, also in Pittsburgh. So between the two schools, I would have to say that those are the two that I'm most attached to from being from here. Penn State uh, is, has always been a rival for Pitt. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty University of Pittsburgh and Duquesne University. Very cool. Very cool. So, it's, obviously, you mentioned that you're playing basketball at App State, and I imagine that basketball's been around for quite a while in your life. How did you get started in basketball? Where did that love and passion come from? So it's the craziest story because I actually used to hate basketball and I always like, I'll find myself sitting and just like, I'm in disbelief that I'm playing basketball and then at a division one level at that. But so when I was younger, um, my mom was a cheerleader. She didn't play basketball. She played volleyball, maybe in like middle school. My dad was always the basketball guy. And so my mom wanted me to be a cheerleader. So I cheered for about eight, nine years before I even touched the basketball. And then once I started playing, I would say that some of the stuff came pretty natural. And then I started to enjoy it because I seen other girls playing. My dad always coached on the men's side, so I only seen boys associated with basketball. And I, in my young mind, I was thinking, there's no way I can play. This is a boy sport. Like, So um, once I started playing and seeing more girls and feeling more comfortable, I started to really shift my focus from being a cheerleader 
to becoming a hooper. Um, and my dad was excited. My mom was a little iffy about it at first. But um, in the end, it all worked out because I, mean, I am where I am today. So, Sure. Absolutely. Se- seems like the right decision <laughs> to, to make there. Now, when did you, like, was there a moment where you realized you had it? Like, you could take this from when you first started and then playing through high school to getting, like you said, to play division one basketball. When, when did you know you had enough in you to be able to get to that next level? I would probably say around eighth or ninth grade. Um, it kind of clicked late for me. Um, a lot of the AAU trips and games and just starting at the beginning, it was just fun for me. It was just strictly like, we get to travel from state to state to play ball and I'm with my friends and it was just more fun. And then I would say my mom kind of sat me down and was like, listen, like you could play in college and you could get a free education. And I was still like, there's just no way. And my dad always said it, but dads will say anything when they want you to do something. So that was in one ear and out the other. So, but um, I think after the conversation I had with my mom and her just sitting me down and saying, you know, you're either going to train to play in college or we're just going to focus on academics um, because AAU can become very expensive. And I think that's when I kind of really locked into playing hard enough and training hard enough to get a scholarship to play in college and get a free education. It's so interesting how your mom went from being the one that was iffy about you playing basketball to being the one that's sitting down and saying, Hey, if you really want to make it to the next level and you have an opportunity to do that, you got to get serious. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So That's, that's awesome. Now, when you mentioned getting locked in and you know, taking that next step toward Mm -hmm. eventually earning the scholarship that you did. What were some things like either from a non-physical standpoint or skill standpoint, what were some of the attributes that you had to learn or some of the ways or some of the challenges that you had to overcome in order to make it to the next level? I would say the biggest thing for me was just realizing that this, like getting to that next level is hard work. And I don't think that I fully understood what hard work was until I started training with other people, expanding my diet, looking at other professional or not even professional, but just like other college uh, female women's basketball players' bodies. And I think it was just a whole 180. It was still fun, but it was, it started to become something that in every aspect of my life, I had to kind of tweak things. Um, And I would say it was definitely for the better because like I said before, I am where I am today, but definitely just like working out with other people, learning the real definition of hard work, seeing other people in the position that I wanted to be in and just trying to figure out what I had to do to get there or what I had to model what that model looked like for me because every for, I feel like for everyone it's different and everyone's path is different but um, I had to figure out what was best for me absolutely 
now you figure out you know you you make it to to the next level right and so you you mentioned uh, i think you said cincinnati was your first stop correct yes so you get to cincinnati and I imagine along the way somewhere something clicked to say, eh, this doesn't feel quite as right as it did maybe through the recruiting process. I need to think about making a switch. What was that moment like when you decided, hey, transferring might be an option I start to explore? Like, was there a specific moment that stood out? Was it just a, a long you know, kind of you know, drawn out thing that just multiple things weren't happening. Why did you ultimately decide to leave Cincinnati and go to where you are now? Yeah. So, um, my freshman year, after my freshman year, um, there was a coaching change. So my sophomore year, um, I didn't really fit the new staffs. I didn't really fit what they were looking for, but I did stay my entire sophomore year. And then at the end of the season, the, um, coaching staff uh, gave me my release papers. So it was kind of like, I didn't really have an option but to transfer. So I put my name in the portal. A lot of coaches contacted me. And then App was one of the schools that reached out and I decided to go on a visit up there and it just felt right. Um, My biggest thing the second go around was to establish a solid relationship with the coaches. Um, It was kind of hard to do that my sophomore year because it was just all new people. And we were trying to push basketball, but also find time to create genuine relationships. And it just, it didn't work out in the end, which is fine. I still love everyone from Cincinnati. Um, I still communicate with teammates from there. But anyways, at that, that was my, or on the second go around, that was my, my biggest thing that I wanted to focus on. And I felt like immediately I felt a sense of welcomeness from each coach. And I sat down with a few different players um, alone to hear what they had to say. And it was all the same thing. And I don't think that you can plan that out or make that up. And I can still say what they said on my visit is still relevant today about all of our coaches. So I'm jumping us back here before I'm going to bring us back to what you just said, because I just thought of something that I should have asked you when you were talking about identifying college basketball players, women college ball ba- basketball players specifically, uh, or even maybe you looked at some of the WNBA players or professional players overseas. Was there a player or two that you can shout out here real quick that you said like, okay, this is who I want to model my game after, or this person seems to have really great leadership qualities. I want to be like them. Were there, was there anyone that stood out when you were identifying those things? Yeah. So, um, I would say Kelsey Mitchell. I had met her at a tournament one time, and then I had seen her play. And I would also say, like, Swin Cash and Brooke Williams. She is from where I'm from, and she plays overseas. Um, Those are just, like, a few of the people that, like, I've seen play a lot, and I've seen what they do – well, what they did to – 
get to where they were they are right now and earn the earn the uh awards and everything and win championships and all that stuff so I think those three people are people that I always kind of have in the back of my head when I'm think when I had thought about what I needed to do or what I needed to look like or what I need to train like to get to that next level. Swin is one of my favorite follows on Twitter. She obviously a great basketball player as well, but she's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot, a lot of fun to follow on on Twitter. It speaks her mind, um, which you know I think is uh, obviously where this conversation is going to lead to in a couple minutes. Yep. But uh, just something that's really important, whether you're a woman or not, uh, just be able to stand up for what you believe in. So, before we wrap up the basketball portion of our conversation, or at least the uh, general basketball portion, you talked about establishing solid relationships with your coaching staff. And I'm sure that might even carry over to your teammates when it comes to establishing solid relationships, using your words there, what goes into that? Like, what are you trying to do so that it's less of a uh, transactional cycle or you just simply don't talk to each other versus someone that you can truly trust, you know, confine in and all those good things. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing for me is someone that's reliable and consistent and just there when you need them the most. I feel like learning your teammates and coaches off the court is just as important as being with them on the court. And I feel like uh, the reason that I wasn't too worried about the team this go the second go around was because I feel like I can – mesh with any group of girls but I feel like for coaches um that's different and not different in a bad way but I feel like just knowing your coach's intentions and a little bit of their story off the court you will know you will learn or you will yeah you will learn how I mean the reason behind the, the reason they act the way they act or the way they coach the way they coach and I feel like for my coach right now my head coach it was just like a given like how could I not want to play for a lady that has so much fight in her and I feel like that was something that added another check uh beside the app's name because of how because of her story but I feel like just natural reliable people who are who I can trust and what I look for in when I'm building a genuine relationship with someone. Yeah, that's really great advice. So thank you for sharing that. And anyone that is trying to build better relationships, definitely take a re-listen to this part of the conversation. Hey everyone, Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders Podcast is here to help you be a better leader. And the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. 
So head on over to sweatwithstods.com. That's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. Michaela, as far as basketball goes, I mean, you're 21 and you have at least a, a year, if not two, uh, left at the collegiate level. But what does your basketball future hold? Do you aspire to play at the next level, whether that's here in the States or overseas, or what does that all look like? Yeah, um, so I just recently, like at the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> really, kind of decided that I want to pursue a career overseas. I think that I wouldn't be pleased with my basketball life if I didn't at least try to go over there and play a year. Um, I think that's just part of the entire basketball experience. You play high school, AAU, college, and then professionally somehow. And I think that everyone should at least give it a try and I think that I'm definitely going to give it a try. I will, uh, have to introduce you to friend of the pod, Tanika Rubin. She plays overseas and I know has a lot of advice if you need help getting jump started to make connections out there and everything, because I'm sure it can't be easy, especially in the middle of a pandemic. All right. So, Michaela, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast was uh, specifically to talk about you uh, had a tweet. Uh, back on, I think it was September 1st. Yeah, September 1st of this past year. And I don't know if this originated with you and if this was more of a, a team-wide stance. And I guess you could be the one to tell us that here in a second. But uh, you were the one that tweeted from your account on Twitter that it says, the App State women's basketball team will not practice until the Black community at App is acknowledged by the chancellor. We've cried for help for way too long enough is enough. Now, obviously, this year has seen social justice causes rise to the top more than I think like in my entire lifetime, I'm 31 years old combined. And and I think not only are we seeing these issues and challenges rise to the top, but we're starting to see people take more action than ever before. We see that in the general population, but we definitely saw that a lot in athletics. We saw that both with the NBA and the WNBA, them not playing games as a result of some of the things that have happened over the course of the past six months. What compelled you to be the voice and to be the one that was going to stand up for what you felt was right? Was that a team decision? Was that just you? How did that all start? Yeah, so um, uh, on campus, there had been some fight for the chancellor to acknowledge uh, these demands that were created for the black community, for the entire black community, at which were some of the demands were um, to see more black counselors or professors, or um, just to add black people in the app community in general. Um, so when the this were these demands were sent out close to the beginning of the pandemic, and when things started to get a little crazy, and then months later in September, these demands still weren't really acknowledged, and at least by the chancellor. Um, so the athletes at App were part of the people 
who created these demands. Um, I wasn't a part of it, but some athletes that I know were a part of it. And they had this kind of protest at the one of the administration buildings and were asked to leave um, numerous times. And it resulted in them being threatened to be arrested. Um, so when this happened, all the black athletes got together at a football player's house and we kind of just discussed what is it that we can do to, I guess, advocate more or get the chancellor's attention faster or just to help the whole black community out. And we were, we, as a whole, we, we said that we would give her uh, a few days and if the demands weren't met or acknowledged in these few days, then we would protest on the football field. So that was the that was the what we came up with as a whole. So then my team, like the the black females on my team, um, we were kind of emotional after that meeting, and we were just like, "Well, why do we have to wait? Why can't we just, you know, sit out of practice or?" do this or do that and just kind of really speaking out of emotion and we left that meeting with the mindset that tomorrow we were going to go into practice and not practice because we wanted answers we wanted acknowledgement and we just felt like we weren't getting that so after a few hours after we met me and another teammate kind of sat and were like we just weren't really solid with the with the decision that we made as a team because our coach and coaching staff has made it clear that they stand behind us and they are here to support whatever we support um, and always to let them know what they can do to help us. So instead of going in with the mindset of we're not practicing because we felt like that would that might have been well that would have been a slap in the face to our head coach because we know where she stands. Um, we went in with the mindset that we want her to try to get a meeting with the chancellor to talk about these things um, so that she can acknowledge them and so that she knows that the black community does not feel, or well, that the black community felt uneasy at the time. She didn't really put out a statement when all the things were going on. So people were feeling like they weren't supported. And I feel like there's enough going on in the world around us um, with Black people. So at least at school, we want to feel supported and safe and accepted and acknowledged. Um, so we went in and met with our coach. We told her, you know, we wish that we want you to get a meeting with the chancellor when you can to talk about these demands. Um, but we do want to practice because we felt like sitting out of practice would ultimately be hurting us more than helping us. So our coach, um, like I said, she is behind us 100%. And I feel like even if we would have went in there and said, coach, we're not practicing, she would have been with it 100% because that's just the type of person she is. Um, and then she would have done whatever she could do to help. And since we went in and said, you know, coach, we want you to get a meeting with the chancellor, but we do want to practice. Um, she kind of decided for us that this is more important than basketball right now. This is bigger than basketball right now. So we did. So she said, you know, 
our Twitter page, our women's basketball page couldn't put out a tweet saying that um, we weren't practicing, but we could put out a tweet saying that. And so I tweeted that a little bit after our meeting and it kind of blew up more than I expected it to. Um, I had no idea that that was going to blow up how it did. But I think that because it blew up how it did, we did start to see some things go our way. Our, our coach got to talk to the chancellor. Our, um, the whole, a lot of the athletic coaches got to talk to the chancellor. Um, and obviously we won't see change right away. But I think that was the start that we needed, at least on campus, to help the black community um, move forward and feel safe and accepted and acknowledged. And I think that we as athletes felt the need to use our voice because sometimes we, I mean, we do have that platform, especially on campus because people know um, that we are on the women's basketball team. So I feel like if it was a regular student that tweeted that, it wouldn't have got as much attention, but because I am who I am and I'm on the team that I'm a part of, it got the attention that it needed, and hopefully things will continue to move forward and we'll see change for the entire Black Thank community. you for sharing that story, Michaela, and I commend you for using your voice, You know, being willing to do that because it's one thing, like you said, to be a student athlete, and I don't know that all student athletes would have been willing to take that risk uh, like you did. And so I commend you for that. Now, what I'm curious about, and you had mentioned this, obviously change takes time. And some of the things may be implemented while you're still on campus. The majority of them, I'd have to imagine, will happen after you're gone from school. From an accountability standpoint, you know, what are the things that you're looking for to say like, hey, this is more than uh, me just you know putting out a viral social media message? Like, we want to make sure that when I come back and visit five years from now, that we're not still having these same conversations or that the things that we asked for were completely forgotten or pushed to the side for something else that may or may not be as important as what we're asking for right now. So from an accountability standpoint, have you given any thought to that about, you know, how, how you'd like to see things go about, you know, whether it's at the chancellor level or what you can do as a student athlete? Um, yeah, I think that uh, for me personally and for my team, we will continue to um, be the voice, advocate, and be there for the students that aren't really being heard. Or we also, I feel like, will continue to educate ourselves on the things that can be done and that we want to see done. Uh, I think that a lot of the confusion and frustration behind it is the fact that people don't really know. Um, and I think that it's our job to continue to educate them and ourselves so that they know, or they at least understand where we're coming from. And I think that as far as the chancellor and the university, I think that they just need to have open minds and there is not a large population of black people on campus but for that population I feel like they should be you know come with an open mind open ears and at least listen 
and try to implement some of the things that uh, the black community wishes to see. And of course, like I said, it, it might take two, three years to add more black professors or hire a black counselor or whatever the case may be. But if we know that they're at least trying and listening and acknowledging us, I feel like that's all we could ask for, at least to begin with. And then once we know that there's listen, they're listening and acknowledging, I feel like that's when we would want to see change and we would want to start to see the shift in the culture and the university and just some of the things that we um, asked for. So I feel like that is honestly, it might really take years, but if it's something that we continue to put in their ear and we get the communication back from them, I think that's all we can ask yeah, for. I totally agree. And now you were, I guess, nudged in a way by your coach to actually use your voice and to be someone that speaks up on the topic of social justice. Now that you've done it, do you see yourself as being the type of person that will continue to do it in the future, not just you know, from your personal Twitter page or something like that, but you know, maybe reaching out to younger people and to help, like you said, educate them, make them aware of social justice issues and do and you know, be the be the next generation to to carry uh, those forward. Like is that something that you're you're interested in now that you've uh, had some experience with it? To be completely honest, I think that I need to become more educated on some things before I dive completely into it. But I do wish to become more active, use my voice more, and be able to educate people around me. I think that this year and these last few months have been the most that I've seen our justice system kind of, how corrupted it is. And I don't think that before I really paid attention that much. I mean, of course I've seen a lot of injustices and stuff like that, but I feel like now I'm more aware of how things are. And until I feel completely educated on it, I feel like I will continue to retweet things, repost things, but and use my voice, but I think that as far as getting involved involved, I will kind of be on the back end of that. Yeah, and I think you make a really great point that you know when it's something this important, right? You want to make sure that you are educated yourself and that time you have the self-awareness to know that you know hey you're a student athlete right now you have a lot of responsibilities and as much as i'm sure that you would like to you know, do something like this more often you know you can't just put for lack of a better phrase fake news out there and, and misinformation uh, out there just because you want to uh, give your opinion not that giving your opinion's wrong um but in today's environment the way uh, that things work unfortunately it can lead to a lot of confusion, destruction, those type of things. So I commend you again for, you know, having the awareness to want to take that time 
to educate yourself and want to continue to do the work, I think it's super important and coming from you specifically, I think will be more powerful than, you know, for example, coming from me. Uh, I'm a, I'm a white male. It's just not going to have the, the same impact even uh, if I know all the information. So I definitely hope to uh, keep seeing you take those opportunities when they come about and when you have the time. But Overall, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Michaela, and I, again, just want to commend you so much for being brave and using your voice to talk about these social justice issues, uh, not just with your school, but obviously I think that was far reaching and, and touched people outside of App State, and that was really cool and powerful. So I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you coming on here to tell your story about basketball and, and all of that. And I uh, certainly wish you the best moving forward with this season and beyond. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope that I touch someone and they are able to take something from this. But again, thank you for having me. It's been great.